welcome to Bloody Mary's A Queer Horror Show. Um, I am a room full of flies, Alex. And I'm a mouthful of bees, Sean. And this episode, we'll be talking about Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. So, we are a couple of queer We're not foreigners. a couple. We're not a couple. Oh, yeah, we're not a couple. <laughs> but we are at least two. <laughs> there is one uh, of each of us. Uh, horror nerds who uh, live together in a flat in Hackney. And we thought it'd be fun to do a queer hot take on what we think about horror films. Uh, also, our pronouns, by <laughs> yes. the way, are they, them. Um, also, we need to do a content warning at the top of the show. Just say, obviously, we're going to be swearing a lot. And talking about sex. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yes, uh, discretion advised. <laughs> yes. Um, also, of course, it's going to be full of spoilers. So if you don't want to be spoiled, yeah, just don't listen. Come back when you have. Watch the film. Watch the film. Yes. <laughs> Okay, off you go, Sean. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, so, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, um, came out in 1985, which is a year after the first one. <clears throat> uh, just for a little bit of context, it was released the same year as Day of the Dead, oh. and Fright Night, and Reanimator, and Friday the 13th Part 5. And also Back to the Future, and The Goonies, and The Colour Purple, and Rocky IV, oh. <laughs> and Clue. It's a big year for you. Oh, uh, <laughs> is it? <laughs> um, it was actually the year before I was born. So oh, okay, it, I was four. Well, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> um, so the first film was directed by Wes Craven, and it was set in a fictional town in Ohio. Do you remember what the town's called? Spooky town. <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer is Springwood. Um, and it's a man with a burnt face and glove with blades, <laughs> known as Freddy Krueger, who uh, begins attacking teens in their sleep. Uh, and the injuries start to manifest when they're awake as well. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Um, it turns out Freddy was a child murderer who's released from prison on a technicality um, and is burnt alive by the parents who form their own vigilante group uh, to seek justice. Um, he was originally, in the first one, written to be a child molester, which they changed just to being a child killer. But in the 2010 remake, um, he was a child molester. Oh, damn. Right. Just imagining right. him without blades but with dicks for females. That would be the worst. <laughs> um, the first film was a huge commercial success and went on to become a franchise of nine films, a TV series and comic books. Um, in the first film, uh, the, the main protagonist is Nancy Thompson. Um, she survives and she reappears in the third film of the franchise. Um, but the second film, uh, which we're talking about, centres around Jesse... It's easy for me to say. <laughs> Jesse Walsh, uh, who's played by Mark Patton, uh, who moves into Nancy's former home with his parents and his sister. The film was received pretty poorly critically um, and was compared unfavourably to the first one. Um, but since become a cult classic because of its very, very obvious queer overtones. <laughs> um, although it did gross almost twice as much as the first film. Um, the first film was set... It was released in 85, but was set in... No, it was released in 84, but was set in 81. And the second film takes place five years later, which is 1986, which was a big year for me, actually. Right. Um, the original plan of, for the plot was for the mother to be pregnant, and for it to centre around the possession of the fetus in her womb. Yeah. Um, but apparently that was decided against because the co-producer called Sarah Risher was pregnant at the time and found it a little upsetting. Well, she meant to, like, the baby meant to crawl out and like harass people. I, I, well, I, I, I don't know in, in such detail, but it was, it was, apparently it was the, the screenplay for it was original, or the idea for it was, was uh, influenced by Rosemary's Baby. But apparently this idea does go on to be used in the fifth film in the franchise, uh, which is called uh, Nightmare on Street 5. Um, <laughs> but Freddy's a baby. <laughs> Freddy is a baby. Uh, the dream child. Um, so uh, Wes Craven turned down the opportunity to direct this script because he didn't like it. 
he one of the bits he didn't like the most was the possessed parakeet, uh, which oh. I'm sure we'll discuss <laughs> at some length. Iconic, <laughs> yes. Um, and in the original script, uh, the character of Jesse was the sole protagonist, but on Wes Craven's suggestion, they uh, they balanced it out a bit more between him and Lisa. Yeah. Um, and it is the only film in the whole franchise that has a male protagonist. Um, and the other original plan for the film was to save money uh, by because uh, Robert England, who plays Freddy, yeah. was asking for a pay rise. So to save money, they were just going to have an extra in a rubber mask playing that. But then they changed their mind. So it is him. It is him. Yes. Uh, okay. There's one scene where they use an extra, and that's the scene in the shower with the whipping, uh, uh, where you. <laughs> but you can only vaguely see him through the steam anyway. So that is the, the, the plot in a nutshell. That is a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so shall we try and remember what happens in the film? Well, I was going to ask, I don't know if we can cut this out, doesn't work. I was going to ask, is, when was the first time that people made a sort of queer, like, I don't know, like a queer reading of the film? Like, <clears throat> Well, I, 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 I don't know, but it seems like... Um, it seems like it didn't really get that kind of cult status until a lot later. But, I mean, I don't know how you can watch it and not see that it's a very queer film. The uh, Apparently, um, Wes Craven found it quite gay, which <laughs> might have been another reason Even why... Even for Wes. <laughs> <laughs> Even for Wes, which might have been another reason why I didn't do it. Um, and the main character, Mark Patton, who was himself a young gay man, he was 20 at the time, um, he... Um, he was very. He thought it was very apparent, and he actually refused to do some scenes that he thought were too gay because he didn't want to be typecast as a gay man because he was already kind of going that way because he, he'd been in. <laughs> he just been bummed. Like, no, he um, he didn't want to be typecast because his like most kind of marketable thing was the fact that he has a very feminine scream. Um, yes, that which... is in the film. I can't <laughs> yeah. his real scream. Yeah, it was. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> And he was he was he was very aware of how homoerotic it was while it was being filmed. So I, I don't think it was like nobody could see it until like afterwards. I think it just kind of maybe picked up more of a cult following when there was enough distance away from it to be thought of as like a sort of current serious horror film. Oh uh, yeah, because I saw. <clears throat> um, I mean, obviously it's your gig to do the research, but I did see <laughs> that um, the um, the advocate described it as the gayest horror film, or it was a better <clears throat> word than that. But um, but I wondered when that was. I think it was it was considerably later because now yeah. it's always on the top kind of queerest films that aren't directly queer. <laughs> sort of thing. Um, the uh, <clears throat> yeah the uh, Mark Patton had quite a sad story actually. Well, no, he doesn't. He has a great story, but he. Um, he basically didn't really have a huge acting career after this. He was in a few other, like, kind of throwaway B-movies. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Um, and uh, he, yeah, he then became an interior designer. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and also a hairdresser. <laughs> and a flight attendant. <laughs> and a drag queen. <laughs> Classic us. Um... Okay, so the film begins... Obviously, with a little poodly yellow bus <laughs> yes. scooting down the street. Yes, featuring uh, Freddy out of Freddy Drag as the driver. Yes, a brief flash of him. Um, and then some sort of 80s-looking children, including my favourite, uh, a large ginger boy at the back of the bus with a boombox listening to music suspiciously. <laughs> um... And then gradually everyone gets off until there are just three people left. And the, the two girls sat slightly in front of the main character, Jessie, are kind of like, tee-hee-hee-hee, like kind of... Yeah, I can't tell whether they're like, like, oh my god, look at him, he's like really sweaty and gross. Or whether they're like, oh, he's a fitty. Um, or, or it's like, oh, he's gay. Either way, they, they, they perfectly illustrate a failure of the Bechdel test by two girls directly talking about a man in his presence. <laughs> um, but also, in that... 
because at the beginning I was just like, surely that's not the main character. He's disgusting. Because <laughs> <laughs> he looks really like pasty. And... I didn't recognize him when the film started because he's all like sweaty and strange. I mean, you get he to looks know kind of like sunken, sweaty. and he didn't look like he had any eyebrows. Yeah, he looked like a sort of like throwaway like nerd character. Yeah, um, but he. Yeah, so that dream sequence, he the bus ends up kind of in the bowels of hell, teeter, <laughs> teetering on a giant uh, stalagmite. Phallus <laughs> um, in Wonderland. <laughs> um, yes, just one of the, the first phallic. Um, so actually, there's a funny quote that Mark Patton said in a BuzzFeed interview in 2016. He when he was there, when they said, Do, "Did you think this was like a gay film when you're making it?" And he describes the scene where he, can you remember when like uh, the there's a record melting and the baseball cap is oh, melting, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he he said about that. I'm lying in bed and I'm a pieta and the candles are dripping and they're bending like phalluses and white wax is dripping all over. It's like I'm the centre of a bukkake video. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> I mean, even uh, for the gayest film yeah, that's ever been made. Yeah, that, I think it's unusual that that's the bit that he thinks was really gay. Like a, a, a melting uh, baseball cap. Suggestive baseball cap. <laughs> yeah, when one of the first scenes is him and uh, Grady uh, rolling around with his jockstrap around. Yeah, in the mud. So his, I think the character of Grady is weird because it's unclear whether they're like friends or is he like a bit of a bully to him? Yeah, because in the beginning he's like kind of irritated that they have to do like uh, push-ups together um, because of uh, the wrestling, I guess. I yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, but then they're also like bonding over the fact that like it's <laughs> hilarious it just all happens so fast with the queers it's like the jock strap and then all of a sudden it's like talking about how the coach goes to queer S&M joints downtown it's just like word for word what's happening <laughs> yeah I think I was expecting the subtext to be a little more like of a slow burn yeah, <laughs> yeah like more of a kind of yeah like academic read it's just, it's just there <laughs> yeah, yeah it starts with a bus balancing on a giant dick <laughs> Uh, 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 and then a sweaty boy waking up being covered in dripping wax like a Bukaki. <laughs> um, so then what happens? Oh yeah, well the other hilarious thing is that um, when when they had broken the rules uh, by a drug strap wrestling, um, the, the, the coach then says, "Boys, assume the position." Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, one of the the um, the, the kind of queerest moment oh maybe not the queerest but a very queer moment happens much sooner than that and it's at the end of his nightmare where he bumps into freddy in his hallway um, and freddy says you've got the body i've got the brains and then he kind of peels his, his well, scalp back no, even before that that's well no no, no wait we've got the chronology wrong because oh, like, so basically <laughs> the, the push-ups and the jog strap happens then he then he has the nightmare oh does he yeah um oh because the first nightmare just ends with him on the bus yes on the big day. yeah 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 <laughs> but i mean like cue to one of the a million of him being sweaty in bed scenes <clears throat> Um, but yeah, so then he goes downstairs because, oh, and he goes outside weirdly in sort of like one of his lovely blouses. Oh, <laughs> yes, the one that looks like, uh, like, uh, frontline PPE, yeah. sort of scrubs, tabard. Yeah. Um, and he notices Freddy through the window. I mean, I don't know why he goes outside anyway, but, um, but yeah, so then he like goes to check and then he realises that Freddy is there. And then Freddy tries to get out through the door and he's going, Dad, Dad, help! Oh, yeah, yeah. And then Freddy says, Daddy can't help you now. And <laughs> <laughs> you've got a new daddy. Yeah, um, yeah so I mean... Uh, so the character of Lisa... Yeah, where did she come in? She... Oh, he gives her a lift to school. <clears throat> Yeah. Um, and everyone's like, oh my God, have you banged yet? And he's like, no, yeah, I yeah. just give her a lift to school. And apparently she was cast because she looks like Meryl Streep. Which and she, she really does. does. She yeah. really, really does. And um, it's a shame she wasn't in a lot after this. She was in a few like kind of shitty horror films and she was in one of the Hellraisers from the mid 90s. Um, but she doesn't really have... Because I think she's good. Like, she's a really likeable character. I think she might even be like the best actor in the whole film, to be honest. That like, she's iconic. Like, yeah, she, of, yeah, and she's got a really. There's something really nice about her voice that I really like as well. 
I don't know. She seems like she should be bigger than she was. Yeah, because I'd actually forgotten about her until she bursts into his room while he's being forced to tidy it. Um, listening to like the gayest Disney track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and closing the drawers with his bum. Oh yeah, like <laughs> in his little blue jeans, clothes, like twerking it closed. <laughs> um, so I, his his bedroom and the bedroom of Grady. I couldn't stop looking at the posters on the wall. Yes, and yeah. I think there was a Kate, a big Kate Bush poster on the back of his door. Yeah, I, I, we think there was a Smiths poster in Grady's yeah, room. Yeah, I think yeah. And there was definitely a Kajagoogoo. <laughs> Yeah, that was in Grady's. So, um, uh, so Grady is the um, is the kind of like tanned, hunky, sort of more palatably attractive than Jesse kind yeah, of character. Yeah, definitely has a better bob than Jesse. Yes, um, and also they, although they're playing teens, they're definitely adults. Yes. <laughs> um, so so the, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the three leads were all uh, twenty when the oh, film was made. Really? <clears throat> yeah. And I guess they're supposed to be playing, like, 17-year-olds? Yeah, I, I feel was... like it gets mentioned at some point, but I can't remember. They're probably meant to be, like, 13 or something, to be honest. They <laughs> <do that. laughs> yeah, it's difficult to tell. Um, although the fact that the, the uh, Lisa's parents are quite happy for them just to have a little party and then kind of turn a blind eye when the music starts mm. and they get the booze out. I mean, them... they're still in the house, so it's not, like, the most wild thing. But and yeah. also, so the the scene where he, so the the coach of the I don't know what the sport is baseball. Yeah, well, oh yeah, they are playing baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Bally runny <laughs> throw. <laughs> um, they um, the coach is like a bit of a sort of jock bully. But then yeah. very quickly you find out that he's into queer S&M stuff. But yeah, you... <clears throat> because like I was saying like to you, like I just I didn't understand whether it was into a dream sequence because I didn't understand how like um, he ended up downtown at the S&M club, which like he was just suddenly there with his like shirt open. He'd obviously walked all the way there without any shoes on. Um, <laughs> like got in somehow and also ordered a beer. And then the coach catches him. But then they flash forward to them being in the gym and him doing laps. It's like, what happens yeah, there? <laughs> I, I thought that was a, a, a dream sequence. But then I guess that's kind of the point of this one. Because I think the, the difference with this film and the first one, and from what I can gather, all of the films in the franchise apart from this one, is that this is the one that kind of it betrays its own premise in a way because it's not just confined to the dreams, the kind of attacks and the violence. He... Is he's present in their like waking time as well, or at least in Jesse's? Um, so do you mean do you think that Freddie went to the Estherm Club? Well, f- uh, him kind of possessed by Freddie. Oh, but not looking like Freddie. No, he wasn't looking like Freddie because <laughs> no. we saw him um, yes. and he looked like him. Um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, and he's wearing the coach is wearing this like really weird like shapeless sort of like, like leather sack with straps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so then he obviously takes him to the... Obviously. Uh, takes him back to the school gym to punish him for being there, I guess, by making him do a lap. Yeah, well, he's still wearing his weird in, uh, bunny ears leather gear. Um, and, um, and it's uh, hilarious. The one Adidas t-shirt he's, like, wore, like, earlier on is, like, hung up on the, like, on the, like, rack. And it's, like, he only has two out of two. Like, <laughs> like, leather or Adidas t-shirt. <laughs> um, so, and then he's, like... Hit the showers, yeah. d- dirt bag, or whatever he calls them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then this is the most surreal scene in the film, I think, because all of a sudden, <clears throat> the he's in the office. He t- he, the coach. While the, uh, Jesse is showering, the coach takes some skipping ropes and puts them on the desk in his office. And all of a sudden, all of the balls, yeah, so all start the bouncing equipment. around. But it's weird as it starts with the tennis rackets, all the strings just melting. It's like, oh, it's so spooky. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're kind of like twinging, like, uh, yeah. or twanging, like, guitar strings. Like twanging. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? Um, yeah, and then all the balls start flying around and bouncing about, and he looks remarkably unconcerned yeah, at this stage. Yeah, this is, yeah, down to his terrible acting, and this is like, oh, this happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rope kind of, like, binds him, which I guess is kind of another, like... A tsunami Yeah, and drags him into the shower... Ties him up, and then his clothes are all like whipped off him. Yeah, just like it's just insane, like just sudden nudity. 
Um, there's a funny uh, there's a funny review about his acting uh, the coach so it says uh, Marshall Bell scowls ferociously as the coach who calls his charges dirt balls and who is eventually attacked by a demonic towel <laughs> <laughs> yeah because that's how he gets like whipped really like furiously yeah, the and like it draws blood immediately yeah. um, <clears throat> and then yeah then what happens then Fred well, just like corrupts him or something uh, to finish him off. Yes, I mean, you can't die out of being whipped on the road, can you? Can you? I don't know. Horseplay. Um, <laughs> Fatal horseplay. <laughs> he had terminal locks. Um, and then this is the part where it starts to blur the line between Jesse and Freddy. Yeah. <clears throat> and this is another thing that Wes Craven said he didn't like about this film was that he didn't like the idea of Freddy possessing the humans because he thought that the... Um, the strength of it was that you had to be asleep for him to injure you or kill you. Oh, I see. Yeah, because he's not actually asleep. Well, yeah. Because was he meant to be asleep when he ended up downtown? I, but then well, he woke up when he's in the gym. Yeah, it's right. No, I, th- I think he. I think he. He woke up. Because he was waking up every night, and sometimes it was a dream, sometimes it wasn't, yeah. and then eventually it stopped being a dream. Um, but it is it is quite difficult to tell, which I guess kind of makes sense because it's all a bit dreamlike. But um, and a bit silly, and a, and a bit silly. <laughs> so then it uh, yeah. So then he has like he realizes that he has the glove on, and this is like the first time you hear his like ridiculous girlish scream, which I thought was just sort of <laughs> like what like dumped in, but I shouldn't him apparently. Yeah, and so the, the next day, the school... Oh, and he's found wandering naked by the police, isn't he? He's taken oh, back yeah. to his parents' house. And then they start... Uh, so his dad says, I'm just going to answer you, ask you two questions, and then we're all going to go to bed. What are you taking, and who's giving it to you? Yeah. <laughs> so the dad thinks he's on drugs, and the mum thinks that he he's needs... <laughs> he's just off his tits on dick. Um, <laughs> that he needs to be... Um... That he needs some uh, some help of yeah, some description. Yes. Um, and then at school the next day, he is confronted with the fact that he that the coach definitely was killed. It wasn't a dream because the ambulance are there. Grady tells him that he's being slashed in the showers or something. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. Um, um, what happens next? I can't remember. Uh, then is it the party after I that? I think it might be the party. Oh no, so they're at lunch and this is like where Grady's this hilarious thing where it's like, they're going like, oh my god, are you going to come to the party? And then like, Grady goes, oh I can't. And they're like, why? And it's like, oh I threw my grandmother downstairs. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was, gra- <laughs> he was uh, gr- grounded for grandma aside. <laughs> it's like really casually and nobody responds. It's like, Class- fair enough. Classic Grady. <laughs> yeah, classic grandma being thrown down the stairs. So the other bit we forgot is, uh, so at one point, Jesse is going out to meet Lisa and his dad says, because they've just moved to the house, the whole house is unpacked apart from Jesse's room. So uh, Jesse is told that he has to go up and uh, unpack his room and then Lisa comes back. And then while while they're helping, while they're tidying his room up, she finds the diary. Oh, right. And yeah, the, that was an important bit. And yes. the diary is, is Nancy Thompson's, who's the protagonist in the first film. Yeah. And it kind of, and she starts reading it, and she's like, oh, it's really spoopy. And then he obviously has this real, realization that she's describing Freddy Krueger, who's, who he's encountered, but at that point, they don't know who he was. So then Lisa goes all Inspector Morse and starts, uh, investigating she photocopies some newspaper covers from the local library yes. um and and they go together to the power plant oh, yeah. where he used to work <clears throat> oh i thought that was where he got in like um incinerated was that not what it was i think it was both oh, okay. <clears throat> um yeah, the um and then they go there. I can't remember what happens there. So they go there. They find a closet. Oh, they find a closet with a rat in a crib. Well, I don't know if it wasn't a crib, but it looked like a little baby rat. <laughs> yeah, I, just a little baby. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't remember what... Well, they find out, though. It's, it's... I, I think it's probably just to kind of... Oh, because she's like, oh, do you get any kind of vibes? Because she's trying to figure out whether he's psychic or something. Oh, yeah. She thinks he's like a clairvoyant that can solve crimes. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the purpose of seeing the power plant at that stage is to then, so that when, because they, they, it later, yeah, they um, it. 
So then it's the party. Yeah. So Lisa's having a party. Um, shit party. <laughs> <laughs> um, with the uh, dad flipping burgers yeah. uh, that look like little sort of toasted char-grilled slithers of <laughs> doom. Yeah. Um, and it looks like they're all like, they all look like they're on like a sandals holiday. They're just like kind of like, like 40 year olds just yeah, like doddering around. around. <laughs> um, and then, so the, the scene in the, so, ah, this is the good bit. So, um, Jesse is sat looking miserable uh, because he's obviously got a lot going on having just killed his coach. Um, And then he goes into this weird little like hut thing. It's like, it looks like a beach house changing room or something, like a little beach hut. Yeah, maybe it's just like a pool house. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) And then Lisa follows him in and then they talk and then they end up but he's like, this is like, you know, where it's like really ridiculous that he's like so thinly veiled about his like sexual orientation. He's like, I've just got a secret and I can't hide it anymore. I feel like I'm losing my mind. Yeah. There's, it's, there's something inside me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he, uh, but then they start smooching um, yeah. after she reassures him a little bit. Um, and the kissing starts really like they're like kissing all over the wrong bits of the face. And just, like, like, yeah, yeah, and then he just nuzzles his head between oh, her yeah, breasts. Like, get on the ground. <laughs> and he's like, like cupping her boobs while also just like yeah, just rubbing his face. And she's like like erotic throws, and her face like oh, kissing more just above the belly. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, from his yes. mouth comes a large sort of. A tongue that looks like a log of shit. Yeah, a giant greeny brown log of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's like, I can't do this! Yeah, so she doesn't notice, thankfully. He panics because he can't go through with it. Yes. <clears> so well, he runs away. The greeny brown poo was his gayness yes, coming out. It, it pushed him <laughs> over the edge. Um, so then, all of a sudden, we're in Grady's bedroom. Yeah, that literally just like, teleports there. Yeah, and he wakes him up with his hand over his mouth, leaning over him with his shirt open. Yeah. Um, and I think this is the queerest part of the film. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> because, not just because it's, like, kind of homoerotic, but because the fact that just at the point of having sex with her, he can't go through with it. And aside from the queerness, the reason that he can't go through with it is because he's got this Freddy Krueger thing on his mind. Mm. But instead of telling her, who already knows all about it and is a confidant and he trusts, he goes to him, who is someone that he's had quite a weird fractured relationship with so far anyway, um, and looks looks to him for comfort. Yeah. In kind of like, he's looking for him to be a protector. That's true. Um, yeah, I was just thinking that, like, yeah, well, I guess in a way, like, if he did kind of embarrass himself with his poo tongue, he probably needs to run away and hide somewhere else. <laughs> but, but, but she didn't see the poo tongue. Oh, yeah. Uh, the poo tongue clang. This is for after marriage only. <laughs> Yeah, that whole, um, I wish I, like, made some notes, but it was just, like, so overwhelmingly, just, like, queer that bit with the speech being, like, something inside of me, I just can't hold it in anymore, mm. and, like, just, like, um, yeah, it's just, like, a lot, and, like, and then, like, um, Grady's all, like, what do you want me to do? I'll do anything. <laughs> like, seductively, like, in bed, and just, like, wabs out. And he also says... Something uh, something wants to get inside of me, and he's just like, yeah, she's called Lisa or something. Yeah, but is this like, where she going to peg him? <laughs> <laughs> just a couple of fingers, oh, just yeah. to, you know, loosen him up. <laughs> so then, so then we have, yeah, so he, it's also really rude of Jesse to be like, you need to make sure I don't, that if I fall asleep, uh, you, you wake me up if it looks like something's going wrong, blah, blah, blah. So then he goes out and expects Grady just to sit awake and watch him when he's just woken him up from his sleep anyway. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Freddy then comes over him again, as it were. Yes. And kills <clears throat> Grady. He literally comes out of him, actually. <laughs> oh, yes. And there's the scene where he, where Jesse opens his mouth to scream and you can see oh, uh, his little eye inside of him. Um, yeah. The eye of gayness. <laughs> <laughs> the big gay eye. We all have one inside of us. <laughs> um... And then, so yeah, he slashes him and then he goes to the party as Freddy. 
but no, I mean, you're missing out the kind of like the sexiest kind of like bit where like uh, Grady jumps out of bed wearing these tiny like shorts, like camo oh, shorts, yeah. and is pressed up against the door, like body all sweaty and heaving. <laughs> He's like screaming, Daddy! Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, I read a review that said that the, um, that Jesse is very rarely seen fully clothed. And I think you could say the same for Grady as well. Like it's a, it's a very fleshy film. Um, uh, so then he goes to the party as Freddy. Um, and this is the scene that most people have a big problem with because it's not just that Jesse sees him in his waking hours, but a whole pool full of people that are all wide awake also see Freddy. So it kind of, it completely, it holds very lightly to the premise of the first film, which is that you have to fall asleep for Freddy to get you. Yeah, this is another kind of weird, like, bit, isn't it? Because, like, but wait, wasn't um, Lisa going to go and find him? She um, was, but she doesn't. No, actually, um, yeah, because she's, like... Because she's at the party still. Yeah, so that's silly. Um, but, yeah, she, but she meets him inside because everyone else is still having a party and then, like, he becomes Freddy for a bit and Freddy's being, like, really, like, coy and weird and, like, doing things like knocking, like plates of oh, like yeah. shells and stuff like a naughty cat oh and that's where, where she, she panics and she tries to whip him with a pashmina oh yeah like a lazy pashmina <laughs> don't kiss me <laughs> um, so, oh and he has this like campiest meltdown he's just like he comes in he's all covered in blood and he's like I've done all the killing and he's like he's inside me and he's like what do I have to do to make you understand me <laughs> It's like flapping his arms around. It's like so gay. So uh, Wes Craven also had a problem with this scene, which was that he didn't want... Because basically all all of the the people around the pool are like in their 20s playing teenagers. And they're all like quite big, muscular men. And he was worried about seeing uh, Freddy next to them would make him look like less impressive because he's quite a small man. Mm. Um, and they, there's one scene where they really try and mask Imagine that. if he was like a giant, that would be more pretty. <laughs> 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 Carry on. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess we've only really seen him up until this point alongside like yeah. kind of quite kind of petite women or like oh, Jesse, who's like a little waif of a gay. Yeah. Contrast, yeah. Um, so yeah, he does some kind of well, people start getting boiled in the pool. Yeah, um, and then all, all the wieners explode. Yeah. The wieners explode and then the beers all, like, come everywhere. Oh, well. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's lots of, of spray <laughs> post-wiener explosion. And then the whole kind of, like, people can't get out of the garden because there's fire all around it. Yeah. Um, and there's, like, a really mild death where one of the boys' heads just gets stepped on by another boy. Oh, yes! And like, he just has, like, a little bit of a nosebleed or something. A little bit of a nosebleed. It's, like, <laughs> weird, mild death. Yeah. It's also, surprisingly, I think, for a slasher... I mean, I guess it, it is a slasher, but it doesn't feel so much like one, is that there's a very small body count. Like, I can only think of, like, three people that were killed. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was, it, we didn't actually talk about the birds, but yeah, they, they die. Oh, well. the birds. Oh, the birds die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so apparently, originally, there was a, an animatronic uh, parakeet made. Oh, my God. But it, was, it looked too cheesy, apparently. But yeah, oh, but yeah. Got, like real birds exploding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the parakeet moment is weird because they do that thing where they, this is quite early on in the film, where they cover up the parakeet cage, which has two in. And they cover it up because birds are stupid and think that it's night time when it's dark. Um, Yes. And then it starts to like vibrate. And then Jesse lifts off the the sheet and one of them like is spat out and it's got like its head missing or something. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one escapes and bites them. And then it's just like swarming around the family and they're like, ah! Yeah, like Tippy Hedron. (laughs) Just one tiny bird. (laughs) Like the tiniest (laughs) bird. Um, I mean, yeah, and then it explodes. Well, yeah, it's on the, fire and then it explodes. And the dad thinks it's because the central heating's not working properly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's super bad. It's like classic dad in horror films, like, oh, it must be something sensible. <laughs> <laughs> so the party... Uh, how do they get to the power plant after the party? Well, that's a great question. Because the thing is, like, Freddy disappears through the garden fence. Like, oh, in like in a flame. Yeah. Like, ball of like, fire. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, And I think, oh, no, it's the, um, he, like, he disappears. And then Lisa's like, I must find him and save him. And she drives to the power plant without <clears> him. 
Um, and that's when we um, first encounter the hilarious uh, dogs with uh, baby faces stuck on them. <laughs> that we gasped. We yeah. gasped. <laughs> yeah, and this is a weird bit as well because this is where the whole scene, kind of final scene in the power plant. Even Lisa is experiencing it in quite a dreamlike way because at first she sees this little rat that then kind of screams at her and then this cat comes down that's got like big comedy teeth. Yeah. And then she's she's got this bite on a leg from earlier where Freddie got her and it looks like it's covered in ants and she starts like scratching at it but then she looks again and it's still bandaged up. Yeah, it's like really weird like mild animal peril. I don't really understand what relevance it has yeah. to Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I think the, the power plant bit at the end, well, I think it was quite a weak ending for the rest of the film. Yeah. Um, but then, so she has a, a confrontation with Freddy and she kind of defeats him by kind of talking him around. But and also, then... yeah, but then it's funny because I was thinking this bit's like hilarious, like kind of gay conversion therapy where she's just like being, no, you're, it's not real, ignore it, ignore it. <clears throat> and then actually goes to, as, so far as to kiss him uh, to try and cure him of freddiness. Um, and then like, and then he like sets on fire and then kind of like, yeah, it's, it's crispy shell. Yeah, he know, like, like emerges, emerges from it <clears throat> like a like a, a straight butterfly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it finishes does yeah, it oh no, no it doesn't because then they're, they're on the bus afterwards and then uh, featuring uh, my favourite ginger friend but he, he, gets <laughs> yes. back, he gets on at the front of the bus this time yes um, but yeah then what happens they're just like on the bus and then he's like oh my god it's going really fast Lisa and she's like calm down yeah no it's fine, fine. everything's <laughs> yeah remember you're not that person anymore um, yeah and then they've got this friend who kind of pops up occasionally it's Lisa's friend yeah, who's got that like, kind of kind big of black slatty. hair yeah. yeah and she gets like um, like a claw through her at the end and that's and then the bus drives off into this like kind of wasteland a bit like it did at the beginning yeah but we don't end up back at the Rocky Palace not no not the Rocky Palace Rocky Palace Palace <laughs> uh, who the fuck is Palace Palace I mean <laughs> you know um, so that is the film in a nutshell yes um, what did you think of it um, I really enjoyed it I I still am completely gooped about how overtly gay it is like I literally was I thought it was going to be like undertones rather than really loud overtones of gayness um yeah like I can't think of a gayer horror film really that yeah it's true that it is the gayest horror film I feel like it I, I love it but I feel like it's almost its own standalone film because it doesn't because it betrays so many of the kind of tropes from the first one right that it doesn't necessarily follow on really neatly but also apparently it's the only film in the entire franchise and I haven't seen the entire franchise but where none of the characters make another appearance and they're not in, none of them are in the first one apart from Freddy so it's like it's almost whereas in the, in the third one we have Nancy back from the first one <clears throat> And then it's, there are characters that follow. So it's almost like its own. It reminds yeah. me of what's the, is it Halloween two where it's just like its own it's complete. Completely, yeah. It's I mean, obviously this one still has Freddy. Oh no, it's Halloween three that said that. <clears throat> um, yeah, and I'm thinking the same with like Exorcist three. It's its own standalone film as well. Where it's just like not really related to anything. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's almost a, as if it was going to become like an anthology series, but yeah. then it went back to kind of. But it's strange. It's like the second one, and then it just goes back to what it was originally. Yeah, because it's just like a sort of weird detour. I, I it's funny actually with your notes saying that like Wes had so many concerns with so many different bits of the film. It's just like, did he like obviously he wasn't involved in so, much of it. Well, I, I, he didn't write it. I don't know who wrote the first one, but um, it was uh, the, yeah. So the writer, I think, was oh no, it was a co-producer. I don't know who wrote it actually, but it was directed by a guy called Jack Shoulder, and apparently he wasn't really um, very. He he didn't read the queerness at all. Where did the queerness <clears throat> come from? Did well, we it would have come. So the co-producer was called David Sharkin or Shaskin. I can't read my handwriting. Um, and he um, <clears throat> he was very very familiar with the subtext of it. He knew it, and it took him a long time, like decades after the film, to admit that it was actually a bit of a gay film. Well, he done it, but he had done it on purpose. Well, well it, I mean, it had could, been done yeah. on purpose. Um, yeah, like but also, he he for, for a long accent. time. <laughs> For a long time, he blamed uh, Mark Patton of playing it gay 
And uh, there's no, ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it was there in the script already. You literally it was... have the straightest, manliest man in that role, and it just still would have been the gayest film. Yeah, ever. for sure. Um, and then he 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 then apologised later to Mark Patton for saying that and admitting that it was just a bit of a gay film. Um, <laughs> just a bit gay. Um, the so I have a question. Did you have a rumour that went around at school that Robert England, the guy who played Freddy Krueger, was so terrified of the character that he played that he killed himself? No, I never heard that. Oh. I know that um, like, basically like the Nightmare on Elm Street series were like the, the first like really like, oh my God, you have to see this film. It's too scary for babies like us. <laughs> um, and nobody ever, actually, none of my friends had even watched it. Um, because it was apparently too scary. Like, I'd seen, like, Amateurville and, like, um, other horror films, but, um, like, I was in my head thought that Nightmare on the Street was going to be too scary. I think it's because, like, visually, like, Freddy is quite kind of gruesome, and you kind of imagine that the rest of the story is going to be equally as disgusting, like, or, like, yeah, gory, I suppose. I I feel like when, by the time I started watching films, which, like, that were horror films, which would have been, like, mid-90s, I think it was probably a bit dated at that point. Mm. Um, and also the franchise was probably beginning to run its course a little bit, was known as, I, I don't know, it was definitely wasn't part of my childhood at all, apart from the rumour that he'd killed himself because he was so scared of himself. So um, scared of but, himself. <laughs> yeah, but he is very much still alive in 73. Yes. <laughs> so yes. he obviously got over the fear and his well, death. <laughs> Um, so another question. Yes. People have read it as being a metaphor for HIV and AIDS. <clears throat> what do you reckon? Um, I wonder if that's just like it being linked to gayness. I don't. What well, I don't. I can't see how that plays really in this. So what do you think? I I think it's a bit of a reach uh, for two for two reasons. One is that 1985 was still quite early in the AIDS crisis. Yeah. I, 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 but the main reason I think it's a bit of a reach is when Mark Patton turned 40, he was diagnosed with HIV. Right. And I wonder if that's all just become a part of the kind of law that people have retrospectively looked into it and thinking that yeah, um, and it's an 80s film, so it must be about AIDS. Yeah, and it's, and it's being... about, you know, something inside of you that you can't get, you know, I don't know. It's... And like gay <laughs> lifestyle and AIDS are like intrinsically linked around that time. So maybe people can just separate the, yeah. Especially since there is also like a kink element. Yeah. In the film as well. But yeah, I think it's a bit of a reach. To... I can't even see like where that would fit in, like, into the film. Like, he's got something inside of him, but then he gets better, so that doesn't really work. It's, um, yeah, I don't know. What, yeah, I can't <clears> see it. No, same. Um, and then the other thing, the other theory is that the, one of the, well, I mean, Obviously, there are many reasons why this film's read as queer, but people say that one of the queerest things is that Jessie is occupying a role that is normally played by a woman, which is oh, the, yes, fi- the, final, the girl. final girl. Um, but technically, Lisa is the final girl. I was thinking that because I'd also read that it was like a rare instance of the final boy, essentially. Um, and then I was sort of disappointed that it wasn't so clear-cut as that because Lisa really is there so it's not like mm. I mean I guess they're both final people in the real <laughs> but like he, he is part protagonist and part antagonist because of uh, what yeah. comes over him so she's ultimately the one that defeats yeah, her yeah. and he's just there um, he's the kind of the useless gay yeah I guess he's just like really kind of a whingy victim and Lisa saves him really it's just like that's kind of like I mean where, where would gays be without their women friends yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who they tried unsuccessfully to have sex with <laughs> with their big brown green pooter <laughs> Precisely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I know, I was just like, it's all random. Um, Do you want to hear some trivia? I would love to hear some trivia. So, um, I've got three facts. One is that every time that Freddy is seen, you can hear whale song playing. Did you notice that? No. I, I, I already knew this, but I, I wasn't looking for it. But then towards the end, it was really, really, really clear because it reminded me of one of the Kate Bush songs that begins with whale song. But yeah, and that's. Do you was... mean like the sound of whales singing? Yeah. Oh, like those kind of like squeaky, squeaky, song. squeaky. Um, yeah, and, uh, and it was just to make it more kind of surreal and weird. Um, fact number two is mm. that this film out of the franchise is Robert England, who played Freddy's least favourite. So it's it's not really a popular film amongst the kind of the cast of the original. 
And this is why it's more important for queers to review films about queer stuff because we like these more and straight. <laughs> yeah, I love this. Like, I yeah. much prefer this to the first film. Yeah, me too. Much, much prefer it. Me too. Um, I, I just, I just wish it stuck truer to the dream thing. But other, that's my only complaint. Yeah, and the ending could be a bit tighter. But um, and then Titan. the final factoid is that so the film's just under ninety minutes, and guess how long Freddy Krueger's on screen for? Uh, three minutes. It's longer than that. Two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. It's around 13 minutes. 13 minutes. <clears throat> yeah. I would be intrigued to see how much of the film Jesse is fully clothed in. Because I expect it's less than 13 minutes. I'd like to see a film where all of them were naked all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're halfway there with this one. <laughs> uh, shall we uh, take a little break? Uh, yes, absolutely. So let's talk a bit about representation in the film. Let's. So I, I guess normally we'll talk about like uh, representation of women, representation of people of colour, yeah. uh, representation of queerness, but the, the representation of queerness is kind of implied in the whole rest of this. Yeah, I mean, it's because... not explicit, obviously, but, um, but that's kind of a fail. But it, like, really, overall, it's just so kind of... I was going to say throbbingly. <laughs> I, I mean, it is. <laughs> I think it's. I think you'd have to be an absolute moron not to, be, to read this film through a queer lens or uh, queerly. Well, no, no. could it, is it? I, I mean, I'd like to see what my parents made of this film. Oh, I, know, I, <laughs> I wouldn't like to watch it with them, no. but I'd like to hear what they have to say about it. Um, but shall we talk about women? <laughs> yes, let's talk about women. Um, actually, uh, well. It, it fails the Bechdel test, so we already discussed that. And um, there's no woman talking to another woman about anything that isn't a man. Um, and it's literally like ridiculously all the way through, even when um, I wish I knew Slutty Friend what her name was. <laughs> I'm not even sure she Slutty was friend. named. Um, but Slutty Friend talking to Lisa about whether her dad's going to DJ her party. <laughs> um, it's just like she could, and all she does is talk about boys. It's yeah. So, um, <clears throat> And yeah, there's not really anything else. But I mean, the character of Lisa is quite strong, and actually, like in retrospect, she kind of like does a lot of like above and beyond to try and save him, like throughout the film. Yeah, to like, save a man who's not really showing her an awful lot of interest. No, and like also keeps turning up at her house covered in blood, saying she's killed. People. <laughs> yeah. Um, she is kind of like old I, I, so the, the thing that this film has very much in common with the first film is that the the and I think it happens in a lot of like teeny slasher horror films is that the parent the adults are very much absent or like kind of bad I mean his mum uh, Jesse's mum is lovely but utterly useless yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I think Lisa takes on quite a maternal role in kind of looking after him. Yeah. And she no, seems true. she seems old beyond the years. In which case, is that a great representation of a young teenage girl and actually, whose role is to kind of look after the, yeah, the gay she, man? She actually kind of like <laughs> refuses to be a victim for a lot of it. Like the final confrontation, that's how she kind of wins, essentially. Um, so yeah, maybe she's great. Yeah. I, I don't know, because also she refuses to win on the grounds that she... Well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, I, mean, I mean, she she's a great character. I guess, like, really, what what she wants is the the D. Um, so. <laughs> but also, like, she she is ultimately the victor. Like, she does all the research. She kind of pushes him to like kind of open up more. She actively goes to try and help him. Yeah, she yeah. she's she's much more active than the other role that he looks to for support, which is Grady, who he just goes to, I guess, because he's a hot man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I also, we also haven't discussed uh, his little sister, who's quite iconic. Oh yeah, um, I like when she tries the nails on oh, uh, yeah. from the and cereal like, box at the beginning. <laughs> and she's just like, la, la. and then later she's only got like three lines, but one of them is, Shh, "The birds are sleeping." Yeah, <laughs> and then they start attacking everyone. Yeah. Um, so uh, the elephant in the room is the lack of representation of people of color in this film. Yes, uh, I think. And I can't be sure, but I think in one of the scenes where it pans around the classroom, you see one black woman. Yeah. I think. I missed it. I blinked. <clears> yeah. Blinked and um, it, so. so yeah, it's a super white film. Uh, it's set in Ohio in the 1980s. I don't know enough about 
the US to know what the demographic is in Ohio, but I bet it's not 100% yeah. white. <laughs> yeah, you'd think there would be at least, like, um, some Latin people. Or like, yeah, there's just there's no representation at all. But uh, in terms of queer representation, <laughs> um, there isn't, I guess there is explicit queer representation, which is the, the coach. Well, we don't know. I mean, like, he's kinky. We know that much, but... With his lovely uh, leather blouse. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, we don't, we don't know what he's into. I suppose, like... But also, so when Jesse turns up at that bar, that reads to me as a gay bar. I mean, well, that, that, the first pair you saw were a pair of men kissing. Oh, I missed it. That. It was definitely a gay bar. I mean, it was it was definitely well, a gay. And I then just thought it was sort of like a sort of kinky bar. I think it was like a, I think it was the queer BDSM place that yeah, uh, that Gracie true. refers to because there was also some very butch women and potentially a few trans people. Like it looked like a queer crowd. Yeah, yeah. And then he, yeah, I, and I think also the kind of the fact that his his version of punishment to I mean maybe all school like. Fo- baseball coaches are like this but his version of punishment to these kind of live young boys is to get them to to kind of to like kind of punish them through like physical kind of exertion um which is kind of bdsm i guess um yeah um so yeah i think that's it really Shall we do? Shall we give some awards? Oh yes, that sounds great. <laughs> uh, so this segment is called the Bloody Mary Awards, <laughs> and <laughs> and it's where we go through some categories and say what our favourites or best or worst bits were. So the first one is favourite character. Yeah, favourite character is um, basically to explain it is um, a, just a random character that we just like like. Um, so my favourite character I would mention him is a uh, ginger large boy at back of a school bus with uh, a, a boombox, um, also looking suspicious. <laughs> uh, my favourite character, I don't know if you'll remember him, is in the uh, in the pool party scene where Freddy Krueger's there. There's a very mild mannered, sexy peacemaker who tries to like calm him down. And he's like, nobody's going to hurt you. I'm here oh, to help. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he was uh, yeah. he was my favourite. Imagine <laughs> yeah. seeing like horrific monster and being like, calm down, Taylor. <laughs> uh, spoopiest moment? Yes. Yeah, so uh, I think it wasn't overall a spoopy film, but there was a, the, a scene where... He wakes up in the night and goes to um, his sister's room and she's in there sort of glowing um, and uh, singing in slow motion the Freddy song, the one, two, Freddy's coming for you. <laughs> nice, beautiful. Well, I love you, thank you. Um, <laughs> she's got like pigtails and yeah, like, like a flowing dress. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that bit was kind of like it was. It was a nice sort of chilling yeah. moment. But, I mean, it didn't it's really not. It's not scary for anything. Um, yeah. The uh, yes, agreed. Uh, so this is the uh, the lols bit. What was the funniest bit? Uh, obviously, I uh, already mentioned the kind of like dogs with uh, baby faces glued onto them. <laughs> <laughs> um, the funniest moment for me was when Lisa's mum uh, answered the phone and then shouted up the stairs, "Sweetheart, there's a Jesse on the phone." <laughs> it's a Jesse. <laughs> uh, what do you think was the best death? Um. Uh... Oh, I, I, I chose the best death. So it, this was a, this is quite a difficult one because it is a low body count for a slasher film. Yeah. Um, but I do think that the best death is the uh, the coach being whipped with a oh, yeah. with a towel. I was going to say a tea towel <laughs> with, with, with a towel in the hanging up in the showers. It's just a really weird scene. Yeah, I was going to say the birds exploding. Um, but no, this, yeah. this was human bodies. Yes, human bodies. Um, and yeah, like um, the worst, uh, obviously, I think maybe it's just that random boy being squished um, at the at the, at the, at the party. So yeah, yeah, that was weak. Needless death. Um, <laughs> it truly was. Uh, what do you think was the queerest moment? Um, all of the film. What did, what did you think? <laughs> I mean, aside. I mean, I guess this is the this is the campus moment or the gayest moment, maybe more so. But um, when he was kind of stroppily trying to tidy his room and put things away, so he turned on like some kind of camp disco diva and started dancing. Yeah, (laughs) that was. Yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. Um, And finally, the sexiest character, of course, Grady. Grady, 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 how does your lady garden grow? (laughs) 
Um, so final thoughts? Uh, I loved it. It wasn't scary. Um, it was more of a horror romp, I'd say. Mm. Um, but yeah, like literally maybe one of the gayest films ever, even. Yeah. Yeah, same. I love it. I really, really love like teeny American films anyway. And this was just like kind of camp and funny and silly and sexy and not scary, but good. Yeah, it ticks all the boxes. Oh, it really does. Ticks, I know it ticks my boxes. Um, uh, how many stars out of five would you give it? Skulls. Do skulls. skulls. How many skulls. spoopies? Pumpkins. How uh, many pumpkins? pumpkins. <laughs> how many spoopies? <laughs> um, uh, well, yeah, in terms of scariness, well, I don't know, how are we rating it? Just in terms of enjoyability. Um, in terms of enjoyability, yeah, I'd give it like a four out of five. Yeah, same. Four pumpkins out of five. It was really fun. So, we're back from the break, and it's time for a spoopy uh, story or fact, and we're going to be doing one of these each episode. Um, I thought, seeing as it's the first one, I'd look at the Bloody Mary uh, folklore. Um, so, Bloody Mary is thought to have started with a divination ritual performed by young women to see their future spouses in the 20s. Um, they did this with walking... I, just don't want, I don't want my future spouse to be in his 20s. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, or in the 1920s. Or, no, no. Uh, it's, uh, it's um, <laughs> he is dead. <laughs> well... Um, they do this by walking backwards downstairs with a candle and a hand mirror. Um, and downstairs? To, yeah, backwards. <laughs> it's an accident waiting to happen. Exactly. Um, and so they're meant to see the face of whoever they were going to marry in the mirror. Um, but sometimes uh, they'd see a skull. Um, and if, if they saw that, that meant that they were actually going to die before they got married. Um, but not marry a dead person, as um, obviously, uh, mirrors have long been deemed portals to the spirit realm, um, with examples including at funerals where they cover uh, the mirrors up, and also in pop culture, um, scrying in Snow White using the mirror to find uh, the. Scrying? The, the scrying, it's a type of divination. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you scrying? <laughs> Stop scrying. <laughs> uh, anyway, so fast forward to the early 70s. Um, Bloody Mary uh, Mirror Witch Game uh, became a favourite for teen girls at slumber parties. Um, the game has varying rules, but it starts with a dark or candle-lit bathroom and the, and the group chanting Bloody Mary into the mirror either three or thirteen times, depending on... <laughs> I the, haven't got time for rules. that. <laughs> I'm very busy. <laughs> um, the outcomes uh, vary um, from Bloody Mary just peeping um, around spookily um, and uh, to screaming uh, scratching of faces and eyes uh, strangulation a bit kinky um, uh, to fully dragging the children mm, drag uh, me mama <laughs> into the mirror realm so fuck my drag uh, where the, she keeps them or bathes in their blood depending on uh, the, the folklore we believe um, uh, in different variations, she also goes by kind of basic names like Sally, uh, Kathy. What? So you just stand in the mirror and go, Kathy, Kathy, Kathy. I, I think it's like bloody Kathy. <laughs> 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 it's just like, what, what if you like live with someone called Kathy? Kathy, Kathy, Kathy. Oh no, not you. <laughs> Don't drag me. <laughs> Don't bathe in my blood, Kathy. <laughs> Mary Worth, I don't know who that is, but apparently that's quite a popular one. Um, but then there's also spoopy alternatives like Bloody Bones and Hell Mary. Um, but yeah, so that's it. Did you ever play uh, Bloody Sally? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but I do often look at myself in the mirror and say, Kathy, Kathy. <laughs> um, what, is, is Candyman the same thing? Do you say that in a mirror? Um, Candyman, yeah, it's like from the film Candyman. is obviously based on the Bloody Mary ritual. But, um... In my primary school, which would have been like early 90s, there was a thing about saying, I guess that was around about the time Candyman came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that was very much a thing for us yeah. at school. 
we we were never dragged or had had anyone <laughs> bathed in our blood that, that I know. You know yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was thinking we never did any kind of like spooky rituals. I think all we did was like tell ghost stories. So. Well, I think to, in order to do rituals, you have to have friends, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> There was a period where I had friends before they realised my faggotry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't do that. But we did the ghost stories, like the kind of like humans can lick too. Do you know that ghost story? No. Oh, let's go there another story at the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was another name I was talking about. <laughs> oh, is that with the dog licking the fingers hanging off yeah, the bed? Oh, okay. It's not really a dog. It's a human. Ah, uh, yeah. The humans can lick too. Ah. Uh. Um, so yeah, that's that's the sp- the spooky uh, facts of the episode. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> If you're enjoying Bloody Marys, please subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends.